0: I thought I was going to be like a TV preacher and have the choir behind me, you know. All you people in television lane, keep those cards and letters coming in. I'll behave now. No, I won't. Um, Please don't, they say. Troublemakers. I've been in the series on the state of the church, and I'm done. But there are things I need to say, so next week I will catch up on the few things that I need to say, but I'm folding it into my series on grace, okay? Is that all right with everybody? Yes. Because what choice do you have anyway, right? (laughs) You all know how this works. Um, Yes, the prayer meeting, I moved it up to five because I understand there's some kind of big bowling competition this (laughs) afternoon or this evening. Yes, I hate to to, uh, have to bend to those kind of things, but I'm also a realist. I also didn't know what the weather was going to be like, so... If you can make it and pray with me, I will be here. And um, we're glad to uh, have you join with us in prayer on behalf of the body uh, as we need God's help greatly at the uh, Harmony Baptist. And all of God's people said, Well, that was pretty good. Somebody said to me the other day, I haven't heard you say, Yes, Pastor John, for quite a while, which, by the way, is progress. Right. That means we're engaged, we've been having fun, people are dialoguing, interacting a little bit. I do like that uh, more of an African-American church environment where you talk back to me. I like that. I love it, in fact. So I don't mean talk back sassy. Some of us are pretty good at that, but no, I'm talking about uh, responding. Thank you. So we will get back to the state of the church. I don't know about you this morning literally, I don't know about you this morning, <laughs> but um while we were worshiping, I was having a bit of a moment there. Glorious. My eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. None but his loved ones know that. And uh I'm like, isn't it astounding that a holy God would allow us to look upon him at all? And if that doesn't well, as my old worship leader said, if that doesn't you know light your fire, your wood is wet and uh need to do a little work anyway today, if you would, I'm going to ask you to turn in the word of God uh if you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the seat in front of you, and uh easy to get to if you're new at this i'm going to give you the page number, page 1-1-5-6, 1-156. It's one one five six one thousand one hundred and fifty six it's first Corinthians chapter three and um you can put the screen up. Thank you, bro. And uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, passage with the theme that I want to talk about today. And it fits in with what we were just saying about what we were speaking in worship, looking at the grace of God. Look behind the empty tomb. Uh, look at the one who has rescued us. Uh, that song, that's a new song. Uh, took us a little to get on that, but what great words. You know, he tracks us down. One old time preacher used to call the living God the Hound of Heaven. Track you down. Everybody says, yikes. Oh no, everyone says, Yay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. First Corinthians chapter three. That's what I said. Second Corinthians chapter three. <laughs> you are on the ball. I'm so proud of you all. I did that on purpose. I'm fibbing. Anyway. Could we stand if if you're not impaired in some way? Feel free to stand. If you need to sit, that's okay. Chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, page 1156. Go down to the bottom of the page, verse 12, starting there. Therefore... Having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the spirit while we're standing let's pray together lord we want to thank you for this amazing grace we know in the old testament it was very clearly stated no man has seen god the minute we look upon the the living god in all of his Majesty and glory and holiness and splendor and power. If we're not changed, this body will evaporate. No man can look at God and live. That's why the coming of Jesus was so profound, because if it's possible, and it was, a mystery we don't fully get, for God to take on human flesh to manifest his nature and his personality and his heart to the human race, Jesus was it. And then in the Spirit, because of the indwelling of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit given to us as our helper, since Jesus is waiting at the right hand of the Father, getting ready to come back and set everything in order, as we spoke about, prayed about, and praised about today, We have the spirit in the meantime who helps us in the inner man, not fully in the full scientific sense, physically see God, but we see him. We're able to sing that. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. A sanctified imagination because of what Jesus has done to us to see the sinless God on his throne. Unaltered. And, uh, when we see Him rightly, Lord, it blows away all the idols that we have. It corrects all the stupid views we have about You. The things that are distorted because we're, we're just by nature, you know that we are inherently idolaters in our brokenness. We want to take You as well and fashion You into a God that we can manage. <laughs> God. Thank you for loving us enough to give you the truth, to give us the truth. And thank you that you are relentless for everyone who belongs to you. If, if things are out of sorts and out of order, you're relentless because the problem is usually with us, I found out. It's usually with me when things are out of order. You are always in order. You're perfect, you're beautiful, you're glorious. And we thank you, God, for making us your children by faith in the person of Jesus. It's not because any one of us in this room were better than other people on the planet, because we're not. When you picked the children of Israel, you said, don't think it's because you're wonderful. It's because of my grace and my great name that I will exalt myself by rescuing you and making you my instrument in the world. And he's still doing that with us today. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. And I ask for help this morning, Lord, because apart from you, I can accomplish nothing. I'm feeling kind of fragile today in your presence. Who am I to speak broken and stupid as I am at times? Get glory to yourself and let Jesus be seen by your people. He's the one we have to see. Help us in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I guess we could add prayer meeting right now if I just kept going. Okay, let me close in prayer. So a few years ago, actually it's been a long time ago, I was pastoring in Tucson. That was when? 76 and on. We had a concert, we were in a CB church and we had a conservative Baptist missionary in the land of Belize. I know some of you have been on a mission trip there once way back. There's this interesting place. I'm going to put this uh, picture up called Alton Ha. Alton Ha. Anybody want to guess what that is? It's a Mayan pyramid, right? Mayan pyramid. It's out in the jungle. You got to get out in the bush a little bit. It's up near kind of dead scent between the ocean and Guatemala. And uh, kind of fascinating thing. We got to go there uh, on a little break time with the missionaries and had some fun seeing this. And I climbed up that thing. Doesn't look too big in this picture, but let me tell you, you start climbing. You know, the steps are not little teeny steps. They're they're handicapped inaccessible type steps. They're big. And you go up there. And um, I'm not a real fearful person. In ter- well, I am in some ways. I don't want to tell you what my fears are, or you're all trying to torment me. You'll find out what... I, we know how to get him. Uh Heights normally is not one of those things. I mean, I fly, I like watching all the stuff down there, and it, it just doesn't bother me. I caught up to the top. See that flat face? That's where the victims get... over the side. So I walked up, and I said, Oh, I want to see this. And when I look, something... The only thing I can describe it was like dread came on me. I don't have this reaction. I had to literally lay down flat and crawl to the edge to look over. It was a very interesting experience. I've had things like that occasionally. I have shared before seeing the the Grand Canyon one time, feeling emotionally overwhelmed. There are times in our lives that we see or hear or experience something that resonates and sticks with us. And has an impact, right? And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit today. So there's a story that we kind of had alluded to in this opening passage of Scripture. And uh, you notice that my title is Beholding Grace. You know, uh, you can use that word two ways. It can be grace that helps me behold, or it can be looking at grace ourselves. And that's really where I'm aiming, is that we take the energy to behold the grace of God. No better place to see it than in the face of Jesus himself. But there's this story in the Old Testament. Everybody, you've been reading the, how many of you haven't quit? Look at that. All right. I had people, uh, I I get regularly some feedback about how um, reading through the scripture is having a great impact. Is it? Is it working for you? Yeah. It's like really cool because it's like God's word and like, it's really cool. What can I say? And you read it. And the Holy Spirit talks to you and illumines your mind and you start to get stuff maybe that you didn't get before. Oh, thank you, sister. Did everybody hear what she said? Uh, No, they didn't. Okay, what she's can I get a mic here? No. Um, (laughs) What she said was it reminds us that they act exactly like we do or we act exactly like they do. And I said last week, I don't, did you hear me say that? Are you, are you playing back to me? Because I said that, right? People say, can you believe those people in the Old Testament? And I go, I sure can. Because we're exactly like them, right? Oh, no, we would never do. Oh, 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 oh. You, need, you need to get in a prayer closet and say, Holy Spirit, show me how I'm just like them. Because we are at times. So in the Old Testament, remember this great thing. Moses had this remarkable privilege of talking to God. The Bible says, yes, Lord, <laughs> your servant's listening. Anyway, of, um, of speaking to God face to face. Remember that? And he would rebuke people who got on Moses's case because he would say, how come you didn't have Enough sense not to criticize my servant, whom I speak to face to face. Well, it doesn't mean literally that he could see God in all his uh, non, you know, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It has to be derived. It can't be. He'd have to be dead. But he was so close to the glory of God and hearing God speak to him from between the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant, that when he was finished talking to God in the temple or when he came down from the mountain at the beginning, when he had the, 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 um, the yeah, what are those things there? Yeah, the tablets with the covenant law, that his face was shining, literally. Well, really, did that really happen? Did, does anybody remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened? Same thing. That kind of glory manifests. And so when Moses came down, his face would be glowing. And the scripture says all the people were freaking out. I mean, it's kind of different, right? You ever see anybody going, "woo"? you know what I mean? This is before sci-fi movies, you know what I mean? So they're having a reaction. So here's what the Bible says. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai. The two tablets of testimony were in his hand. He was coming down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, they were what? Afraid to come near him. When he would go into the tabernacle, it started to become a habit. He would come out, he'd be glowing. So what he started to do was put a veil over his face. not So they're not freaked out, first of all. And the second reason Paul reveals, and we read it earlier, is that they wouldn't see this fading away glory, that they wouldn't start getting, like we all do, used to it all. Like, it's not a big deal, you know. Oh, don't worry about that, it'll fade away in a few minutes. As if there was nothing going on there? Of course there was. He is meeting with God. So they were afraid to come near him. So they would cover him, or they could have covered their own eyes, in order to cope with this kind of agitating experience that something unearthly was connecting with us, and I'm not sure I want to be near that. If you read the Old Testament, you find when the law was given and God at one point invites the elders of Israel to go up the mountain and eat a meal in front of him... The people were scared to death. No, 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 you go talk to God. If we get up there, we might get fried. And you know what? In a technical sense, they were right. The whole point is that God is wooing people, wooing his people to trust him by faith that he actually wants to bring you inside the veil. But we're nervous because we're opposite. We know one man... We know of one man in particular who hung around whenever this happened to Moses. Anybody know his name? Joshua. Somebody said it. Joshua, whenever Moses would go into the tabernacle, Joshua would hang out. He was like on the edge of his seat. He wanted to know. I want to get as much of that. What's going on in there, Moses? Tell me, tell me, tell me. He had the privilege of being discipled by Moses, right? And because... He was not afraid of that glory being manifested. Joshua ends up a transformed man and ends up leading Israel into the promised land. He and one other brother, the only two that kept their heads on straight after they toured the promised land. Remember that? The the spies all rebelled. Joshua and Caleb said, Oh, come on, would you stop looking at man? Look at the God who's rescued us. Let's go in here and kick butt, man. We're going to win. No, they're giants, they'll step on us, whatever. Change has been the theme of our year, right? It's going to be the theme of 2018, change. Joshua was a changed man. Moses was a changed man. Caleb trusted God, he became a changed man. Things change. So Paul quotes this story in the passage that we're looking at. And he explains a little bit about the veil and all of that. And he uses it as an analogy, if you will. And he's talking about the children of Israel in mass who have hardened their hearts. They rejected their Messiah and all that. And so whenever the covenant of the Old Testament is read, they don't see that this is all about Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, read the scripture, check out the law, the prophets and the writings. Everything there is about me, he said. It's talking about me and they miss it. But when a person turns to the Lord, okay, I repent. I want to see things your way. The veil is taken away and they can see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what happened to you if you got born again somewhere along the line. You may not have described it the way I just did, but that's what happened. Somewhere along the line, the veil was taken away and you said, I need that Savior in my life. So Paul quotes this in 2 Corinthians. Let me put a passage of scripture up. Hey, it's up already. Whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. This is my main verse right here. We are being transformed. It's real quiet in here. Everybody here? You know what the word for transformed is? Changed. That's cheating. No, the Greek word, metamorphosis. Everybody knows what metamorphosis is, right? The little... Wormy thingy, caterpillary, icky you know, thing, and it wraps up, and the next thing, out oh, comes a lovely butterfly, and everybody loves butterflies. Not too big on worms and caterpillars, but, right? Transform, it's that, metamorphosis, we are being metamorphosis, from glory to glory to glory. <laughs> Let me read something out of a commentary, uh, yeah, commentary, if I may. This is Philip Hughes, and the New International Commentary on the New Testament makes this statement. In the old dispensation, only one man, Moses, gazed with unveiled face on the divine glory. Now, in the gospel age, however, listen to this. This is the blessed privilege of all who are Christ, whether great or small, well-known or unknown, while the mass, the mass of uh, his people, continue in unbelief or continue in darkness, and masses of people do, the children of God have the privilege of looking into his face. To gaze by faith into the gospel is to behold Christ, who is the same, in the same passage is described as the image of God, the image of the indivisible God, the effulgence of the Father's glory, the impress of His substance, all these big words simply to say, you're looking at God. And to contemplate Him, who is the Father's image, is progressively to be transformed into that image. Did you hear that? To gaze at him is to progressively be transformed into that image. Whatever we attach ourselves to and we idolize is what we start to model ourselves after. Transformed into that image. The effect of continuous beholding is that we are continuously being transformed into that same image, into the same image. We're in process of transformation. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. You say, well, I don't feel so transformed. Well, maybe you're a little behind on schedule, but we are all in process of being transformed. What did it say? From glory to glory to glory. I want to unpack that in just a minute. But one of the things I liked about we're looking at him as though in a mirror. So I don't even want to get into this, why I've got this. Anybody remember um, Romper Room? Yeah. Oh, I'm looking through, and I, I see Mr. Furman, and I see Mrs. Vizephin out there. I see Mr. Derek. Oh, Derek. Okay. And this isn't that kind of mirror that you see through magic mirror. You know, remember the magic mirror? You have to be old to remember that, folks. All the kids are saying, what is he talking about? Of course, a lot of people say that to me. What is he talking about? But here's how it works. I can't see God face to face, literally, until I'm dead. We all get that. But I can see him, if you will, when I look in the mirror, Ted, I've got a really good view of Ted here. Yeah, (laughs) me too. And uh, Ted and his lovely wife, there you go. There's truth, right? And uh, I see David Kloer and his wife. I get a really good view. If I'm trying to model myself after him, this gives me a very adequate view, doesn't it? I mean, it's precise. It's a reflection in the mirror, but it still works. And that's what Paul is saying. It's like we're looking in a mirror, but it still works. We get an accurate view. When we look at Jesus, we get an accurate view of God even though we can't see him literally like we will when we're transformed when we're resurrected our body will be able to handle that reality it's like standing in the presence of nuclear fission and you can't do that without the right equipment just can't do it okay so that's what he's describing but let me go one more one more step on this calvin explains the design of the gospel is precisely this the image of god which has been defaced by sin that's us may be repaired within us. It really happens. We really do change. It may be repaired within us. And he adds that the progress of this restoration is continuous through the whole of life because it is little by little that God causes his glory to shine forth in us. When Paul says from glory to glory, let me give you some illustration. He uses two. We can start with when we're converted. I think about when I, and I know stories of other people as well as myself. They come to faith. People that you would have said, that guy'll never be a Christian. Guess what happened? How about the early church? There was this guy named Saul. He was killing Christians. Everybody said, that jerk? He'll, I wish somebody would take him out. I'm sure there were discussions like that, right? I mean, I want to be full of love, Jesus, but could you just have him run over by an apple cart or something, you know, and just take him out? Nobody ever thinks like that around here. but But Saul becomes Paul, radically changed. There's the first glory. From glory, the conversion manifestation of a changed life, glory. But that's not where he ends. He's a very brash guy at the beginning. People get converted. They have stuff that has to change in their life. So I get converted. I move along. The next step of glory is when I realize I'm not taking care of my body the way God wants. He says it's a temple of the Spirit. (gasps) I've been abusing it. I'm using these items that are wrong, and I'm doing this to myself, and I'm harming. And all of a sudden, the light comes on, and I change that, and it becomes visible. There's another step of glory. And then he takes me further. He teaches me that my mouth is too dirty. Oops. I start cleaning that up. And then he takes me somewhere else, and I realize all my hateful, critical attitudes and the rotten things that come out of my mouth about other people. I'm just being clear. I'm talking about me. Has to change. And I get victory over that. And there's another step of glory. And we're all moving from glory to glory to glory. Are you getting it? Okay, so where are you on that journey? Time for another glory? What did I miss? It must have been good. Oh, my goodness. I'm at the oh, my goodness glory station. And one day I will be in the presence of God and glory will be complete. No more cleanup. It's done. Sin will be eradicated. God is going to restore what is broken and what is lost. And the Lord said, say amen and go home. Okay. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) I know what it is. Okay. So we move from glory to glory. So I gave you my illustration of the mirror, which means I'm on to the next thing. Turn aside. So I had a friend that went off to the mission field. That's his name, Shields. That's the last name. And when he put together his newsletter, the way God was dealing with him, it was all about worship and focusing on God. Some of us in our mentor groups have been working through um, Dr. Phil's assessment of spiritual life and how to be healthy. Well, how does that go? What's the title of that? Emotionally, Emotionally healthy, healthy spirituality, spirituality right? And it, oh my gosh, he says, and in that, it hasn't worked yet, has it? And in that process, right, there is a focusing, a deliberate setting aside of time and effort to turn aside. Now, where he got that, you may, can anybody figure out what the logo is? What is that? The The burning bush. And if you remember, Moses is up on the mountain, he's taking care of sheep And and he hears about this burning bush, and it says, I must turn aside and see this strange thing. We need to turn aside for, for a lot of things about God sometimes are strange. I must turn aside and see this. And as soon as he turns aside, you know the story, Moses. You saw the Ten Commandments, right? Moses. I love the way God's voice sounded. I don't know how they got that, but it was great. Moses. He talks to us. And he does, right? Turn aside. Basically, what we're saying is there's something about beholding grace, but we have to take the energy to look. In the language of the King James often, behold, behold, take a look, take a good look, a long look. Beholding grace, whether it's demonstrated, whether he's giving it to me directly, whether I see it in the scripture when it's in my mind in worship like this morning as we were seeing him glorious or behind the empty tomb or the cross or what have you, or whether it's incarnate in someone else who's manifesting the grace of God. I behold, I need to turn and look, I need to turn aside because when I meditate on that, it begins to change us. I was in seminary for my doctorate, and we had this, and th- these were Presbyterians, I want you to know. I just, okay, you don't care. I don't either, then. And, uh, but they were talking about real energetic worship. But this t- instructor, he was a, a, an adjunct, and I, and he was a worship leader, and he, he it was quite the experience, but, His illustration that I've shared with you before is it's kind of like when mommy grabs the kid who's on the platform, grabs the kid and goes, look at me. That ever happened to you? Those kids who haven't had that happen to you, you need a lot of prayer. But anyway, (laughs) because we all need this, right? Look at me. And his whole point in that class was that's what worship is about. It's an ask. Turn aside. Come here, you. Look at me. Did I offend you already? I'm sorry. <laughs> Could you look at me, please? No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> look at me. That's what God is saying. Turn and look. So... There's a story in the New New Testament I want to park on for just a couple of minutes before we gather around. No, no, no. no, 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 Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) They'll read it, and then they'll leave. See, that's... No. Yeah, pay it. Yeah, pay. pay Anyway. So you may remember that Jesus came on the scene. He had to wait quite a while before he could start his ministry, took care of his mom, all of that, apparently his father died when he was young we don't know exactly he's a carpenter by trade and then a point comes in his life where he knows the spirit is saying it's time for you to fulfill your messianic ministry by the way it's isn't it awesome how Jesus is a model in every way I mean taking care of his family all of those things that we kind of gloss over but that's that's something for you to unpack in Bible study but he comes on the scene he starts gathering people he starts doing some miracles that tends to get people's attention and they start to follow him around and he starts to develop crowds and eventually he's got in his mind the only way this thing's going to work by the way brothers and sisters the only way this is going to work you have to multiply leaders right to lead the kingdom work you have to so he's looking for his group thousands of Israelites Thousands upon thousands. And out of all that, he picks 12. Boy, he needs a lot of counsel, don't you think? He just doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, we do advertising, big hoopla, you know, if you can get about 5,000 people at the conference. He does the exact opposite. He pulls people aside, just 12. And one of them wigged out on him, right? Okay. One day, he's connecting with some of these guys. He's developing a relationship. Some of you know their names Peter, James, John, those guys. Anybody know? They were entrepreneurs, right? They, they were entrepreneurs. They ran a fishing business. That's what they did. That was their living. They had a, you know, Peter's, you catch him, Wilson. No, however it is. <laughs> they ran that business, and Jesus was kind of hanging around with them. So one day when he's deciding, you know, i am really been putting some heat on these guys, and I'm sure they're just like everybody else. Um, not, you know, I don't know if this is important. i got to keep this business going. What about my parents? What about this part of my family? All of that. Jesus saying, well, why don't you think about bigger things than that? And they're not sure. So there's a crowd one day, and he's being so pressed by the crowd. He's, he's familiar and friendly with Peter. He says, Peter... Can I use your boat? Let's push out a little bit, and I'm going to finish my sermon from the boat so that they're not pressing in too close. And they go out on the boat, and he preaches his sermon. It's all great. And then he turns to Peter and his comrades. He says, Listen, we're out here. Let's go out a little bit and drop anchor anchor and drop the nets, and let's see what happens. Anybody remember this story? (sighs) And I love Peter because he's practical. He's smarter than Jesus, just like all of us. Okay, Lord, you know, um, your business is carpentry. I I, I fish for a living. We just spent all night trying to catch fish, right? There's nothing here. Okay, but, you know, because you said so, can I just say something? That's the best decision you can ever make. Because you said so, I'll do it. I think you're wrong. I'm smarter than you, of course. I'm the fisherman. You're a carpenter. You don't know anything about catching fish. But because you said so, what happened? They started to sink their boats. There were so many fish. And then this is what happens. When Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. For amazement had seized him. And all his companions as well, because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, don't go any further yet, who were partners with him. Amazement had seized them. That word is kind of inadequate. Amazement. You know what the word means? Dread, alarm, fear, awe surrounded them. They freaked. Like when I looked over Alton Hahn, uh, 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 let me look this way. That kind of reaction is what hit him because he realized, oh, and look what he got all of a sudden. I'm dealing with somebody completely otherworldly. I'm dealing with somebody glorious, and mine eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. Get away from me. He's scared. Like the children of Israel, put a veil up. Cover that. Don't want to look. Freaking me out. It's too glorious. But there's more. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they did what? Left everything and followed him. What a fantastic passage of scripture what made it happen turn aside and take a good look and you'll be changed i will make you fishers of men if you follow me right somebody anybody remember that sunday school song take a good look at jesus speaking of worship that's what we're doing this morning as we gather around this table in just a minute let me just reprise the words of the apostle paul it's saying the same exact thing if i could And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What does it say? Do this? Well, it doesn't make sense. It becomes a dead ritual. Yes, it can. Do it anyway. Okay, because you say so. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this. And as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. What is This is what I love about God. He's, he, he's, he's actually smarter than we are. He built into the kingdom people a ritual that has to be honored because it makes me on a regular basis do this. I can probably go through weeks and ignore God. How many have ever done that? I never have. I think I'm lying on that one. I think I probably have. You know how you just get in that rut, and you're lucky if you say, God, please help me, and you're ignoring him, you know, ignoring. You're cruising. And um, God says, no, I'm going to design this that you have to do inventory and take a good look on a regular basis, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you do it, you're showing forth the Lord's death until he comes again. You're reminding yourself of his death, burial, and resurrection, and you're modeling it to everybody else. When we do this, everybody's watching and figuring out, what are we focusing on? Master Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, the one we don't have a right to look at, but he's saying, come look at me. And it's transformational. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And that's why it says, let a man examine himself. It's a time of Jesus is like this and I'm like that. Oh, you know, we sometimes park on communion as, oh, that's the time I have to clean up my dirt, right? Oh, it's time to pray. Let's pray. Lord, I was a bad boy this week. I was really naughty. I said that, I said this, I said that. What else did I, oh, that other thing too. Yeah, I'm sorry. Now I'm ready for communion. It's not just that. Turn aside. Look at me. Wonder at my grace and my mercy toward you. Be impacted. Be transformed. It's not just a matter of cleaning up. Yes, that matters. It's very clear. It's kind of like uh, the genie in uh, Aladdin. Made you look at the end, you know. Look. It's aspirational as well as cleansing. We all need help, right? We all need to change. If I think I've arrived, I am so deceived, I'm pretty much useless to God. Did you know that? If I think I've arrived, I'm useless to God. I'm unteachable at that point. I know I'm going from glory to glory to glory. I've had numerous glory episodes since I've been at Harmony even. I know you can't tell much, but there is some. I'm still in process on my journey home. I came across this fantastic, I was cleaning out some uh, files. When you find things that are so antique, they're, you know, doesn't even communicate in the same language we use anymore. It's like, throw that away. So, yeah, sometimes I get ruthless and I throw two things away. Sorry, that was a little joke. You all should clean up once in a while. Anyway, here's a great, great uh, great prayer that I found. You ready? Dear Lord, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish. I haven't even been overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help. (laughs) And all of God's people said, (laughs) who has more fun than people? My wife always says. God's for us, isn't he? Turn aside. Behold his grace. When we come to the table, let your imagination run a little bit. Think about what he's done for you. Think about who he is and who we are. One question rapidly, quick, because we have to have communion. A million times, brother? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Actually, what he just said is true. There's two sides to it. One is we all need the Holy Spirit's help. The, the more hungry, the more we turn aside, the more I believe if we earnestly want God, he'll give more of himself to us. I believe that. So there is a dimension of seeking, turning aside, the effort of turning aside. Uh, so that and, and then don't be on your own case because you don't see certain things until another time. That's up to you and God and the Holy Spirit. If you're walking in obedience as best as you know how, you should be enjoying yourself, right, if you're obeying God. The other side of it is God never, and this is, I don't know, that Harmony's DNA has ever been tweaked enough. We need some genetic engineering here. The gathering of the saints, God takes so seriously, and his people don't. And God puts servants, I'm just one in to speak that kind of life into our lives. And we miss the opportunities because we think something else matters or whatever. I'm just telling you what I feel. Uh, It's been an area that has, you know, weighed on me for four and a half years. So we have to take that home, pray on it, turn aside, see what the Holy Spirit says to us. We're going to gather around the table. Let me say a couple of things about the Lord's table here. We do have gluten-free offerings for those who have uh, issues that need to do that. Also, there's water instead of grape juice for those who have those issues. Just so you're aware, they're up here. Make sure you find it. Since our theme today was turn aside or look, beholding grace, that means we take effort to do that. So instead of waiting on you, I'm going to ask you to wait on God. You come forward seeking. I want to see your face. Whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you, Praise God for it. And let's gather up front around the Lord's table. I've asked um, one of our past leaders, uh, Gene Bozick, as I've been watching people grow and go from glory to glory, to share just a couple of things an introduction to the table. And when he's done, we'll invite everybody to come up. And whoever's helping serve, come on up and hold the elements uh, after Mr. Bozick speaks to us. Gene, if you would. I think you're going to have to seal that, yes. I
1: I hope I've been on a journey for the bike, especially um, at times a very intense journey the last five years. I didn't plan it this way, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> at, at times it's been, um, well, most of the time it's been three steps forward and two steps back. Uh, I uh, The Lord definitely got my attention and um, has been working in my heart. Um, sometimes I listen and sometimes I put him aside and said, I don't want to hear it. Um, but <clears throat> I, I just, I, I think the thing, if, if I could sum it up the most, it, it, the best way to sum it up would be uh, this this right now that we're going to do Um I've been in the church for a while, and I I don't know how many communions I've sat through. Um, but it says, this do in remembrance of me. Um, there's been times when I've sat there and I've just taken a cracker and a grape juice. I'm sure you have too. Um, and it's been a ritual. Uh, but now it's more... A sense of awe and wonder at uh, what Jesus has done for me. And uh, all those sang- songs we sang this morning, especially that reckless one about how Jesus goes after us. And uh, the pastor mentioned that, I don't know who it was, but some guy called uh, the Lord the hound of heaven. And that sense of he doesn't let his children just run, go off, and and continue to be off on a, on a tangent. He draws them back, and um, it um, it's a painful, but a wonderful journey. Um, <clears throat> sometimes it's um, me telling God, "Get away from me! I don't want to hear it," but. Often it's like, all right, Lord, whatever you say, I love you. I want to trust you and walk with you. Um, So as you come, as we come for the Lord's Supper or communion, um, remember what Jesus did. He was um, God the Son from eternity past, took on human flesh so that he become one of us. And his payment for sin, um, is, and our being in Christ has set us free, um, and we have real freedom because we know the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's that's the biggest thing. Is like, it's just a sense of awe and wonder about who G- God is and who what Jesus did for me, and what He did for you. That's it.
0: Prepare for communion, those who are going to hold the uh, elements for us. Um, Let's stand together and give God glory and praise. Let me ask you to, when you come, take the bread immediately. This is his body given for you. Take it immediately. Take the cup, and if you can, bring it back to your seat. If you need help, we'll help you uh, so that we can partake of the cup together. I love to toast our king. There is a king. And his kingdom is coming. And uh, so we, we always say to the king and to his kingdom. God, my father, in Jesus' name today, we have a few minutes to turn aside and let you speak into our lives. Remind us of where you brought us from. Remind us of the first step of glory that we experienced when our eyes were opened and we became a child of God. Remind us of the next major move forward when something became stark raving reality and I started to obey it. All of those things speak to your wonder and your glory working in us, changing us from glory to glory to glory. Your grace has not been sent to us in vain. You're changing us. Help us, transform us. Let this be a year of change, not only for us individually, but for us as an assembly. We look to you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise for rescuing us as we handle these physical reminders of your body abused for us, put to death, and the blood that was shed to purge us from our sins, fill us with gratitude, help our minds to turn aside, and to behold grace. We'll thank you for helping us in the great name of Jesus. Amen.